RNZ News at Midday. Kia ora, good afternoon. I'm Nicola Wright. Air New Zealand's first direct flight from New York to Auckland has arrived, but without the bags of dozens of passengers. The Boeing 787-9 Dreamliner aircraft landed in Auckland at about half past eight this morning, but just a few passengers have made it to the arrivals lounge as many are sorting out baggage problems. Our reporter Lucy Sia is at Auckland Airport. The 17-hour flight from the John F. Kennedy International Airport is the longest flight Air New Zealand has operated and the fourth longest flight in the world. Several travellers told RNZ they were happy with the service on board but disappointed that their luggage is still in New York. Two international students who arrived without their luggage say the airline has given them no certainty on when the luggage will arrive. Another passenger says more than half the plane don't have their luggage here and are queuing up to talk to Air New Zealand. In a statement, Air New Zealand says additional fuel requirements due to adverse weather meant it couldn't load some customers' bags in New York. Spokesperson Alex Marin says the airline's working to bring them as soon as possible and is in contact with the affected customers. The head of the Climate Change Commission says the emissions trading scheme allows companies to plant and pollute and needs reform. More than 500 business and climate policy leaders are in Auckland for a climate conference. They've been told by a number of speakers that the country's current settings rely too heavily on tree planting. The Commission's Chair Rod Carr says the trading scheme needs to change. We also have embedded in an emissions trading scheme a reward for plant and pollute that the Climate Change Commission has identified as inconsistent with the long-term sustainability of net zero by 2050 and beyond. Dr Carr says other countries are becoming increasingly sceptical about using offsets like tree planting at all. The government's currently reviewing the emissions trading scheme. The fate of National MP Sam Uffindel will be revealed later today. The Tauranga MP was stood down last month after a series of bullying allegations and an investigation was ordered. Our political reporter Giles Dexter has more. Sam Uffindel was stood down just a week after being sworn in as Tauranga's new MP. Mr Uffindel didn't deny accusations of bullying while he was at boarding school King's College, but when RNZ revealed allegations of aggressive behaviour towards a female flatmate at Otago University, National suspended him from caucus and ordered KC Maria Dew to investigate. Mr Uffindel denies these claims. National received Maria Dew's report last night. Leader Christopher Luxon is expected to reveal the findings this afternoon. Schools in Cambridge have gone into lockdown while police look for a man with a weapon. Cambridge High School, Cambridge Middle School and Cambridge East have notified parents of the lockdown. Police say they were called to Waipa Road in Waikato Town shortly after half past ten this morning. Officers have asked schools and early childhood centres in the area to keep their students inside while officers locate the man. A former Glory of Ale member says children younger than 14 endured punishing treatment working in a swamp and packaging factory. The employment court case has resumed today in Christchurch as six former Glory of Ale women seek a ruling they were employees, not volunteers, during their time in the Christian community. Ex-member Zion Pilgrim told the court the children have to begin work from age six. The younger boys worked in, now discontinued, moss business, worked in a swamp harvesting moss, worked in the drying and packaging factory where they sort and remove woody parts prior to packaging the moss, are in a heavy industry which is very noisy 
without proper safety equipment. Zion Pilgrim says his children were put into full-time work at 14 years of age. The queue for the Queen's lying in state is dwindling as the last to join before it was closed off take up their chance to pass by her coffin. The BBC's Sandra Burke reports from central London. Over the last four days, hundreds of thousands of people have spent many hours walking slowly along the Thames to spend a few moments alongside the Queen's coffin. Much has been written about the queue, its echoes of medieval pilgrimage, the sense of community it's created. Any lasting legacy is unclear. For now, the blankets people use to keep warm at night will be washed and given to homeless charities. Unopened food will be donated too. Royalists up and down this country will be watching the Queen's funeral this evening. It starts at 10 o'clock New Zealand time. In Christchurch, Lisbeth Clement has been a royal fan since she was a child and has collected memorabilia all her life. She plans to tune in tonight. I plan to sit and watch it the whole way through because I just thought she was just such a wonderful person and I just feel that I, although I can't be over there, I just need to be watching it all and being involved. RNZ National will broadcast the funeral and coverage will begin at 9 o'clock tonight. It's five minutes past 12. British military intelligence suggests Russia has stepped up attacks on civilian infrastructure in Ukraine. Officials in Kiev say Moscow is retaliating for Ukrainian forces reclaiming territory in the Kharkiv region. Julia Chapman reports from Kiev. The UK Ministry of Defence says Russia appears more willing to strike further into Ukraine. The aim, it believes, is to impact morale across the country. It points to recent attacks on a dam and the electricity grid. Overnight, the mayor of the southern city of Mykolaiv says a hospital was damaged in an attack. The governor of Dnipropetrovsk, north of Zaporizhia, says shelling damaged private homes. There are fears that Russia could escalate the conflict after finding itself on the back foot. The police are investigating a blaze at a Christchurch scrapyard where about 100 cars caught fire last night. Firefighters were called to the Woolston scrapyard about half past ten and worked into the early hours of this morning to put the fire out. Fire and Emergency Southern Shift Manager Alex Norris says eight fire trucks and a high ladder vehicle were needed. We had approximately 100 cars that were involved on fire that were extinguished in the early hours of the morning and then we had crews rotating in and out, um, monitoring the fire overnight until the fire investigators got there this morning and they're currently investigating the cause of the fire. The fire comes a month after a larger one-at-another scrapyard in the same area. Police are still looking for four suspects in that case. The New Plymouth mayor wants independent oversight of multinational agrichemical company Cortevas promised testing of its controversial Paritutu site. From the 1960s through to 1987, Ivan Watkins made the herbicide 245T at Paritutu, which contained the toxic dioxin TCDD. Corteva says it will thoroughly test the 16-hectare site and publicly release its results and plans for any clean-up. Mayor Neil Holdham says the Regional Council, the Ministry for the Environment and Iwi should observe that testing. So overseeing the testing, overseeing the preparation of the results to just ensure um, that objectivity. Neil Holdham says if the site is safe, he'd like to see it gifted to the city and turned into a reserve. More fencing is being installed along a development on Wellington's Miramar Peninsula to keep penguins out, but one section appears to have been raised to create an entryway. 
The fencing's meant to block Kororā in the area from nesting inside the development at Shelley Bay, but it's also forced nesting little blue penguins onto a dangerous road. Four box nests have been installed in front of the development, but the area is directly across from a slanted seawall at an angle penguins can't scale. A section of the fence appears to have been raised by someone north of the development, across from where the seawall ends and rocky terrain begins. Several thousand people have taken part in a protest in the Turkish capital Istanbul against the LGBT community. The demonstration, called the Big Family Gathering, called for LGBT associations to be closed down. LGBT groups in the country have spoken out against the homophobia, warning against the risk of increased violence. An advisor to South Africa's Zulu King has been killed, weeks after the newly crowned leader pledged to unite his people. There's been a row over who is the rightful heir to the throne, as the BBC's Will Ross reports. The murder of one of the Zulu king's advisers has prompted fears that a bitter dispute over who should be on the throne is still not over. Local officials say Dumisani Kumalo was shot dead by unknown gunmen shortly after attending the reed dance at the royal palace in Nongoma. It was the first time the recently crowned Mrs Zulu Kazuelitini was presiding over the annual event, which is a rite of passage for thousands of girls. Three factions within the royal family have been arguing over who should be king. The position is hugely influential, as there are around 11 million Zulus in South Africa. That's the news.